Well, good morning, everybody. And before we begin, I just want to welcome, uh, obviously, our broadcast location. Uh, so glad that you're joining us here at the Lufkin campus, but also uh, everybody online, Iglesia Timber Creek, all of our guys uh, in the correctional uh, system there at Dieball and Duncan. You're not a church project. You're part of our church family. De- uh, week in and week out, we're so, so glad that you're part of our church family. Nacogdoches, you guys are, are just growing by leaps and bounds and exciting news. We signed a lease on Kimberly's Closet and Gamers Hollow that is now Timber Creek Church extended part there at the Northview <laughs> Plaza. Pretty cool. God is continuing to grow the church, and obviously those of you, we've been shut down just for the last two weeks uh, there at Grove, some of our uh, continuing partners there, and, and uh, you're joining us online. Thank you for being part. Uh, cannot wait to see what God does over the next few weeks as we build our launch team. We're kind of shutting things down and kind of going internal for a little bit uh, until we're ready to launch full force out into the community and do a lot of outreach and opportunity to invite people there on our launch launch Sunday coming up in the future. So, so many cool things happening. So glad that you're with us. Um, This is really, uh, as we put a bookend on this series, um, there's a a goal and and kind of a prayer, a scripture prayer that I want to be believing for in your life, in your family's life, and in this church uh, for the rest of 2023. Um, It's it's really uh, some kind of, uh, it's it's a response to what God has done, and this is what I'm believing that God is going to do in your life, that you would respond in this same way. And, and here's what the scripture says. It's, it's in Luke chapter five, and the Bible says, everyone was amazed. Everybody's got attitude. Everybody's got emotion. We, we are made in the image of God, and God has the fullest, purest emotion. He doesn't fly off the handle and say, oh, man, I lost my cool. He knows exactly what to feel, how to feel, and he gives it to us. But in our humanity, we don't always have the right emotions. And what I'm inviting us into this year for you and your family, that you, when you think of the things of God, when you think of Jesus, that, that there would be a... a kind of an atmosphere of just amazement of who he is and what he's done, uh, how much he's paid for you, and that you would be amazed and live, live with that kind of, of heart towards God. Everyone was amazed, the Bible says, and gave praise to God, that we enter his courts with criticism in our mouth. No, that's not what we do. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. But I know if you're anything like me, every once in a while, I pulled up in the parking lot and I've entered into his gates with, you know, in the middle of a fight with my wife. I mean, I'm the pastor, but I'm also like, you know, I'm married. So I I know what that's like, you know? And she's saying, okay, Pastor Jeremy. Anyway, moving on. I don't mean for this to be therapy, but sometimes I just got to get stuff off my chest. Everyone was amazed and they gave praise. Like, I want us to be known as a, as a church that's just giving praise. We're quick to give praise to God. We humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and he lifts us up and we give him praise. They were filled with awe. There's just an amazement and an awesomeness of God. And I, I want us to teach our kids how to live in an awe of God. To not live in a, God's gonna get you. If, 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 you, if, 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 if you're lying, God knows he's gonna get you. Not, not in a fear of God that's unhealthy fear, but in a, a fear of God is really like an awesomeness. Like, wow, he's so big. Wow, it's not like, oh no, I don't want God to hurt me. It's like, oh wow, I don't, 
I would never want to hurt the heart of God, living in awe of him. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and they said to each other, man, we have seen remarkable things today. That we, our eyes would be open in the middle of this crazy world that spins madly on. That we would take enough time and have enough wherewithal that we could see the activity of God around us, not just what we're focused on and what we've got our eyes to see, but, but that we would be amazed and be able to see remarkable things, the hand of God moving in a special way in your life, in your family's life, relationships, associates, your neighbors, you name it, that this would be like, this would be us. Now, what in the world that spins badly on has happened for this scripture to be written? What has happened that has caused everyone to be amazed, everyone to be filled with awe and praising God. Like, what's going on? Is this the resurrection? Is this, is, is this, is this Jesus walking on water? Is this him uh, breaking bread? Is this Lazarus come forth? Like, what, what is, what's going on? Well, we've said every single week of this series that, that experience is the best teacher. But the truth is, that ain't true. It's evaluated experience that's the best teacher. And so what I want to do at the time we have today is we're actually going back up 30 minutes earlier into this story, and we're going to do some evaluation of what took place in this story to get to the conclusion of they were in awe, and they gave praise, and they said, we have seen some remarkable things. That's what I want, not just for this service and just for the gospel. It should be alive and well in your own life and in your family's life. So 30 minutes earlier, we see what's going on. We catch up with Jesus and here's what's happening. One day, Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. These are the elite, intelligent, Einsteins of the religious world, they've gathered together. These are the PhDs. These are the tenured professors. These are the, the, the guys walking around like, like, like <laughs> I don't know, do I concur, do you concur? Like, like, and they're like, ooh, I'm so much better than that person over there. Oh, I would never be seen like that. I, they went to watch a picture show. Like, like, like they, they, they're just kind of the religious elite. They think they're better than everybody else. And Jesus is with them. Okay, he, he meets them where they are and these Pharisees and teachers had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem and there they are in Capernaum and they're, they are learning from Jesus. But not only are they learning, they, they, they haven't come in, they haven't come in with their, with their iPad open ready to take notes. Uh, they've come more with their arms crossed ready to take note of anything he might say that they could catch him up in. Because they, they didn't like how Jesus was doing new things. That he was messing with their systems. He was messing with their process. He was messing with their methodologies. And they were wanting to catch him. That was really the heart. They like didn't like what he was doing. But I want you to know that Jesus didn't come to give us a math equation. Jesus didn't come to earth to just give us a good lesson. He didn't come to earth just to teach us the ABCs of salvation. He didn't just come to give us another sermon. The Bible goes on to say that the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Whenever you see Jesus on the move, even though he's teaching, even though he's guiding, there was a power in him way beyond being an effective communicator. He wanted to reach people where they were 
in the middle of their wound, in the middle of their hurt, in the middle of their lack, in the middle of their despair, right there in the intersection of the brokenness. Jesus had the power to heal the sick. Incredible communicator, drew a crowd, but he cares about humanity. You are the most important, most valuable creation. You're made in his image. You are the apple of his eye. You are the focus of his love. He has, since the beginning of time, desired not a demanded, commanded relationship, but a free will choice for you to love him back because you just choose to love him. And that power to heal the sick is way beyond a physical thing. It's, it's this bridge that's been created by sin that separates us from God. Sin is not that act you commit. It's that thing or that thing or, or this other thing. It's, it's not an act that I commit. It's an authority I reject. It wasn't eating of the apple in the Garden of Eden that was sin. It was the authority of rejecting God. When we sin, this is what we're saying, no matter what the action is, from gossip to sexuality outside of God's uh, design. When we sin, we say, no, 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 no. I want to be the final authority of my life. I want to be God. God, you take second, you take the back seat. Let me take the, the driver's wheel on every decision I make, on every emotion, on everything. I'm in charge. You're not. That is rejecting the authority of God. And that's what sin is. When I reject the authority, whatever it might look like. Now, he wants to heal that sickness more than anything. And we're gonna see that in this story. So I'm gonna give you about eight evaluations for our own experience in 2023 that we can glean from this incredible story of what happens when Jesus is in front of a, guy, a lot of people that are perplexed and a little skeptical and how God uses this story to end where everyone's amazed, filled with awe, giving praise to God and saying, whoa, we've seen some remarkable things today. I want you to know that just by saying he had the power of the Lord, the, the, the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Number one, number one, God's priority isn't teaching. God's priority is people. God's priority has been since the beginning of creation, people. That's his priority. He cares about people. Lost people found people. But he is very, very particular about caring for those that have been found, but leaving those that have been found to find those that are still lost. I've said it before, but let me remind you that if you had three kids and you were in Disneyland and you lost one of your kids in Disneyland, you probably wouldn't say, well, at least I got two of them. <laughs> I guess it depends on which kid you lost. You know, I was like, <laughs> like, let him go, let him go, run to the car. <laughs> you wouldn't say, hey, two out of three ain't bad. No, 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 no. You'd stop everything. You'd stop everything. My, my, my mother... Uh, has seven grandchildren, and one of the grandchildren is severely autistic and, and is nonverbal. He just turned 18 years old. His name is Caleb Joe, and Caleb is a, he's just a wonderful, beautiful soul. Beautiful soul, as innocent as, as you could imagine. But he's a runner, and he won't tell you he's a runner, but he's a runner. 
And when he was seven years old, my, my mom, who's not a runner, she was at their home watching several of the grandchildren and she turned her back for a second. And when she turned back around, the front door was wide open and Caleb was gone. All of a sudden, my mom became a runner. She ran out to the neighborhood and she couldn't find Caleb anywhere. She's running out without shoes in the middle of the summer heat. The asphalt is hot. There they are. The, it's, it's so hot. It's so bad. She's screaming, Caleb, Caleb, Caleb. Neighbors are like, what has gone on with our neighbors over here? The cops are being called. Finally, they find him about a half mile down the road, standing at the fence of the neighborhood swimming pool because he loved to get in the pool. He was just standing there at the, at the fence. Um, my mom didn't care about the other grand, loved the grandkids, didn't care about the other grandkids at that moment. Just left them in the house. Why? Because her priority was the lost grandchild. The one that was run, running. God's priority is people. And what I want you to know at Timber Creek, that if Jesus is important to you, if Jesus is important to you, people will be important to you. And I know it's easy to say amen when it comes to maybe our kids or our grandkids or our spouse, but I'm talking about even the people that pain you, even the people that you don't know. You'll never lock eyes with someone that doesn't matter deeply to God. Like every person matters to God because every person has a soul. Every soul matters and every soul is on a trajectory. And that is the part that's the most important part. These temporary physical dust kind of things. They're just gonna go back into the dust because it's the temporary part. But that soul that's been breathed into us by God himself, that soul lives forever and it has an eternal destination, heaven or hell. And those things matter to God. Therefore, it should matter to us. Even the telemarketers, you say, I've been on a do not call list. I'm gonna give them a piece of my mind. Hey, by the way, I'll give you a little trick. You ever get like the spam risk call? Don't just ignore those, man, enjoy those. Those are joyful moments. Those are gifts of God. Here's a, one, one of the things that I like to do is I'll take the call and I'll say hello and it takes them a second to get on the line and they say, is, you know, hello, Mr. Yancey. And, and, and I, I just start going, I start going, clean up the blood, clean up the blood, get the body in the truck, put the body in the truck. I, it's okay, it's okay, we're gonna figure it out. We're gonna figure it out. Just get, I gotta take this call, hello. Sorry, I was just in the middle of something. Just in the middle of something. You're welcome. Well, that's my pastor. I apologize. I'm sorry. Hey, if, if, if Jesus is important to you, people are important to you. No more grudges. No more criticisms. Listen, listen. Every person you want to criticize on the other side of the political aisle it's still a soul that matters to God. Every person you want to criticize as a group member on some kind of Nacogdoches Angelina talk, anonymous, like, I can't believe this was too salty, or this was that, or I can't believe this, or I'm never going back to that, or their tires are Dear Lord. But there I am, just creeping through it. Just creeping, wasting my time. Got to have something to do on the toilet. Anyway, 
Hey, even the people that you don't agree with, they matter to Jesus. They matter to Jesus. So here Jesus is spending time with people that are critical of him. They're just looking for something to mock him with or something to catch him with. These aren't his fans. And yet he's spending time with them because people, whether you love them or not, you're important to him. And in the middle of all this, the story begins to unfold. The Bible says that some men, and in the gospels we find that in, in another bird's eye view of this story, in another camera angle in the book of Mark, we see that it's four men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. We're gonna call him Brad. It's Brad on a mat, and they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. They tried to lay him before Jesus. They couldn't get to him though. Um, and I'll tell you why in a minute. I, first, I wanna show you that some men had a friend. And some men had a friend and they loved him enough to want to take time out of their day to not just bring him to another ball game, but to bring him to Jesus. There was something important about them taking a friend who had an issue. And I don't know how these guys knew each other, if they were buddies. I don't know if they're teenagers. They act like it later in the story. I, I don't know what their story is. I don't know about Brad, whether he was born paralyzed or maybe he was in an incident and it caused him to lose mobility in his legs. We don't know exactly the story. We just know that right now he's paralyzed and some of his friends are bringing him. Maybe they were all together. It was on a Sunday. The, uh, the game was on. They're all hanging out at Brad's house. And they're eating hummus and popcorn, watching the game. Jerusalem Jaguars taking on the Capernaum Cougars. And as they're watching, uh, one of the guys, Chuck, his, his, his notification goes off. And then Sam's notification. And then, and then Tyler's notification. Ding, ding. And all of a sudden they look up and they're like, now it's like, it's, it's a Facebook thing and it's another notification and then it's a text and then it's a tweet and then it's a snap whatever and it's a, all these things like bling, 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 bling. And everybody's saying the same thing. That guy Jesus is in our neighborhood. That guy Jesus is here in our town, in our neighborhood. And these guys have heard enough stories that they say, whoa, I've heard he's done this, I've heard he's done that, I heard he walked on water, I heard he raised the dead. He, I, I heard he was walking down a road and there was a child that was in a coffin and like he raised him out of the coffin. And they kind of stop and they look at Brad and they say, Brad, you, you wanna go see Jesus? And Brad's like, hey, will you take me? Let's go, let's go. They don't have a wheelchair, they just got his mat, so these guys grab Brad, who's enjoying the football game, and they take him to Jesus. Here's another evaluation. Number two, there are some people in your life that simply won't or can't come to Jesus on their own. They, 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 just, they just won't or can't come to Jesus on their own. In other words, God has not designed for us to only rely on the church to bring them into the four walls of the church because there are some that just simply won't or can't come on their own. 
And so God has mobilized the church, you, as the hands and feet of Jesus, because there are some people that, number one, you can invite them to a service. Many people are just waiting on an invitation. We're afraid of a no, but most people, more than 80% of people would say yes. That is statistically proven. If they haven't been in church, you invite them to church. The statistics are in your favor to get a little, just a little bit of boldness and say, would you like to come to church with me sometime? And they say, no, not interested. You say, okay, done. Like there's no, I can't believe, I'm not even your friend anymore. Like, like it's, it's, it's easier than it looks, I promise. But beyond that, there are some of your friends and your family that they're not gonna darken the door of a church. It's just not gonna, that's just not the way. So what's gonna happen is Jesus is gonna empower you to go to them. And for you just to show them the fruit of the spirit and show them that Jesus is worth living for. And that's why you need to know him personally for yourself. Because there are just some people that just won't come or can't come on their own. The apostle Paul says it like this, that the God of this age has blinded the what? All right, everybody say it with me. Come on, Nat, come on, everybody. Blinded the minds. Now that's weird. I'm 100% blind in my left eye. 100% born that way. Optic nerve didn't fully develop. I'm blind. So when I hear the word blind, I immediately think optics. I immediately think eyesight. But he says they're blinded in their minds. In other words, it's not that they don't see the goodness of God. It's not that they don't see a church service. It's not they don't see in front of them with their eyes. It's that many times our, our thought process, our skepticism, our perplexities, uh, our, our, our crossed arms of criticism can blind us from thinking towards a savior. And, and they can blind their minds of unbelievers so that they can't see the light of the gospel. Because if they could just open their mind to see and like be willing to say, I'm, gonna, I'm going to, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna kick the tires on this. I'm gonna investigate the claims of Christ. It's amazing what the power of the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what Jesus did, that's the gospel. What, who he is and what he did, like that's, it, it, it's, it's, it's awesome but many times our minds are just blinded by all the other stuff that are in our minds. Even blinded by good things, but blinded, blinded. But here's what's good news. Number three, write it down. My availability can set the stage for a God opportunity in someone's life. Just being available, these four guys we're available for Brad, and your availability can set the stage for a God opportunity. Being available for someone, when you hear a not in a story, things are not going very well. I did not see that coming. I do not know what to do. I do not want to have to go through this. When you hear a not, that might just be an opportunity for a God opportunity in someone's life. Just be sensitive to it. Just like, like, what if we left here today just a, a few percentages more sensitive to tiny little moments? I've talked about asking for prayer for your, for your server. Um, and I'm telling you, that just returns dividends for me and my own heart, but also for them especially when you can remember what you were praying for last time. So there's this Mexican food restaurant in the woodlands called Good Company. And a few weeks ago, I was there and I was having Mexican food on a gift card from some good friends in the church. <laughs> you want to get them on a good list? Good Company <laughs> gift card, baby. And um, I love you anyway. I love you anyway, whether we have a gift card or not. 
But anyway, it was nice. And we had some pecan pie. It's one of Oprah's favorite things. Pecan pie, a good company in the woodlands, one of Oprah's favorite things. Well, Oprah, she's all new. Anyway, go, moving on. I'm, ADD medicine did not take today. Okay. I'm a good company. Armando's my server. This was in the beginning of January. And I was actually with our other campus pastors. And Armando came up, was giving us a, hey, we're going to pray for our food in a minute, Armando. Anything we could pray for you or your family about. He said, oh, my dad is waiting on a liver transplant. And wow, like he, big guy, he stepped back and you could tell he was emotional in the moment. I said, oh man, what's his name? Elias, Elias is his name. And I just want him to be so good. We're, I'm a, my wife's about ready to have our first child and I just want him to meet. And it's, it's, oh, it's just, we'll pray. So we prayed. Uh, Pastor Victor actually uh, prayed. We, don't, we didn't pray with Armando. He went back into the kitchen. It, it, don't make it weird for him. You know, grab my hand and repeat this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, like, be normal. But, but just pray for him. Sim- simple. Here, here's, here's my line. I'm going to pray in just a minute over the food. When we do, anything we could pray for you or your family about. If they say, I'm good, that's awesome, man. <laughs> that is awesome. Then, hey, we'll just pray that you have an even better day. Okay, thanks. I'm not, in, I'm not really a, a prayer person. Guess how many times I've heard that? Zero. Zero times. Zero times. So on Friday, went back up to the Woodlands, went to good company with a friend, and uh, Armando was my server. Armando came up. I said, Armando. He goes, hmm? I said, how's, how's Elias? How's his liver? And he went, oh, I remember. He said, oh. He's, he's doing better. And he, we, got, we had our first child. I'm a dad. And he got to say, and we got to just have this exchange that was a beautiful people are priority thing just by asking a simple question. My availability can set the opportunity, can set the stage for a God opportunity in something very, very small. Okay. So story goes on. Men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. But notice the key word of tried to take him. They couldn't find a way to do this because of the crowd. It was so full. It was so jam-packed in there. They couldn't even get in to Jesus because of all the PhD Pharisees. Number four, religious people are a common obstacle that keeps others from getting close to Jesus. Many times what can happen is people don't feel like they can even get into the house because religious people are crowding them out. Because unless you look a certain way, do a certain thing, have a certain pedigree, make a certain deal, look a certain way, and many times religion and religiousness, this like criticism and, 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 and bowing to the God of methods in a church. Now listen, I like my methods. You like your methods. I like certain worship music. You like certain worship music. You like a certain decibel. I like a certain decibel. We ain't always gonna see eye to eye on everything and, and whether we, we have, how many times we do communion in a year or whether you know we cover seat covers, bless God, I can't believe, you know, uh, seat, I'm gonna sit right here, bless God. Like, like, you know, by the way, um, you saving seats and, and, and like somebody sitting in your seat. No, 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 no. These are our seats. Like Jesus saves everybody. Only Jesus, only Jesus saves seats. Okay. So, um, but like we can get so caught up in certain things 
When, when, our, when our program stops or when our program changes or our, you know, when the church does something different and what can happen is religious people can become a common obstacle that keeps people that need to come to Jesus from coming to Jesus. Here's what religion is, basically. It's, it's, uh, it's this. It's a particular system of faith and worship. So this is a particular system. We're Protestant. We, we are part of a particular fellowship. Like We have structure where Jesus is the only way to heaven, um, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that the word of God is the moral compass for every decision we make and the final authority for life. And it's not just a good book. It is the breath of God, the word of God to us for living. And the word became flesh. And so the fulfillment of what Jesus has done, follow Jesus, you follow the law, like follow Jesus and he's the way. Like those things are foundational in the religion that we follow. However, there's also this terminology of like, it's a pursuit or interest to which someone ascribes supreme importance. Like crazy supreme importance that if, if it doesn't look like this or sound like that or we don't do this program, like what can happen is in churches, even this. So you may be kicking the tires of Timber Creek and you're expecting Timber Creek to have this, 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 because that's what you had in the past. I get it, I get it. And if that's really, really, really important to you and we don't have that, I wanna help you find a church that does have that. In the meantime, what we're after is not trying to, to be married to our methods. So here's what we do. At Timber Creek, we date our methods. We open the door for our methods. We smile at our methods. We pick up the check for the methods, okay? We give them a kiss on the cheek because we're dating them methods. And if my daughter and her boyfriend are watching, that's how you date. Right there. I told my, my daughter's boyfriend, you will have a Bible with you at all times on every date in the middle of the car because you ain't going to crawl over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> because, if, because if you do, there's going to be acts. <laughs> anyway, what? What? Too much Red Bull, everybody. So... Anyway, we date our methods, but we're married to our mission. We're married to the mission here. And if you're interested in joining in, that method, that mission is your God-given potential to know God personally, find freedom from anything holding you back, to discover his purpose for your life and to make a difference with it, like make a difference in the kingdom of God with, with what he's designed in you and through you. That, that's really what we're about. And our methods will change all the time, but our mission's gonna stay the same. Sure enough, these four friends of Brad, they, they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd. They couldn't do it because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof. And this is why I think I, I, these guys got to be young because they, I mean, they didn't go to a window. They didn't go through the garage door. They didn't go on the patio. They, they, they're like, okay, Brad, this has been crazy, but like, we're going to get up this fire escape. We're going to move up and we're going to get on top of the roof. Okay. He's like, what am I going to do? I can't stop it. Just whatever. So they, they're taking him up onto the roof. Now picture this. They're climbing on top of the roof and the camera comes down through the roof and into this room and everybody's everywhere, full house. And Jesus is, is, is sitting there and he's got his TV and he's doing his sermon series to the, to the Pharisees. And he's like, I want to tell you about the Beatitudes. And he's talking about the Beatitudes. I've given you the first two. And here's the third Beatitude. And now listen and want you to take notes. And Jesus is saying, Pharisees, you've got a 
hard, you got a hard thing in front of you, you got to have the right heart, but blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. They're not weak. Blessed are, for they will inherit the earth. And sure enough, hang on everybody, Jesus is talking, but here comes their friend Brad. And Brad's like, hey, this is my friend's idea. I was just watching the football game. Uh, Hey, Jesus, I heard a lot of cool things. And Jesus is like, hey, and Brad's like, what's that? And Jesus is like, what's that? And Jesus looks up through the hole, and there are four guys looking in. What's that? And Jesus comes over and says, hey, how are you? Everything okay? He's like, yeah, I couldn't get in. And he said, okay, all right. And I mean, this is the situation that Jesus, the son of the living God, the rabbi, the teacher, he's right in the middle of this right here. The Bible says, they lowered him on his mat, threw the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Now that's not what you're normally gonna see in the middle of a sermon. Would you write this down? Number five, it is not a new concept to deploy creative methods designed to bring people to Jesus. It's not a new concept. Jesus interacted with creative methods and he implemented creative methods. He was so creative in the way that he would talk about a fig tree or or he would walk on the water or he would break down a lunchbox and feed thousands and he would point to a seed. He would point here. He would would look at the cornerstone. He would say something like, he was always always like creatively communicating the message of, of hope. And at Timber Creek, we're going to do anything short of sin to creatively deploy methods that reach people far from God. And as the world spins madly on, this whole series has been about you choosing rest over rush, you choosing to get closer to God, you choosing to soften the the soil of your heart to receive the word of God. But at some point, it moves from being about you. It moves away from just everything you can get from Jesus and for you to share Jesus. That yes, we won't do life alone and we're gonna have people with us, but we also don't wanna keep it to ourselves. And there was something about these guys that just wanted to bring their friend in a creative way to give them the best chance at experiencing the power of Jesus. The story goes on that when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, now here's what's interesting, write it down. Faith is assurance in what you can't see. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the stuff that you, you can't quite see. Like I can see a plate of food. I was just having this conversation with someone brand new uh, to the church this past Sunday and they were struggling with, I've always struggled with the idea of God because I can't see it. I, like I can see a plate of food and I said, I get it. 
I understand that. Uh, that's why faith is required and like to, to like be assured of the bread of life, even though you can't see the bread of life, like you can see the bread right here. Like I get it. But faith is assurance of what you can't see, but your faith should be seen. Your faith is in something, someone you can't always see how and why and what they're doing, but the way you interact with faith, the way you live out your faith should be seen. It ought not be under a bushel. No, you ought to let it shine. You're a light, you're, you're, you're a light in this dark world. You're a light on a, you're a, light on a hill. Like, like you, you're supposed to be this way. So when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend. He didn't say, interruption, much? He said, friend, listen to me, everybody. If you've been running from God or you've never invited Jesus to be your savior, he loves you. He doesn't, he knows Brad because he's the savior, but Brad's never interacted with Jesus and he just, he immediately sets the stage of the kind of relationship he's looking for. Not healer and a consumer of healing. Just to consume the Jesus stuff. It's a friendship. Friend. Friend. And here's what's crazy. Here's what Jesus... Do you know what he says next? Your sins are forgiven. Now I wonder if in that moment he says, your sins are forgiven. And I wonder if like Chuck and Larry and everybody else up there are going... Sins, he's paralyzed. That's his issue. Thank you, but like we didn't dig a hole in this roof for you to just like, you know, do this thing. Your sins are forgiven. And here's what happens Jesus is always on the move and he's always got something more than you could ever see. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were thinking to themselves, Who's this fellow who speaks blasphemy, who thinks they're God? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus responds. Jesus knew what they were thinking. He knew because he knows everything. He knew what they were thinking. And he said, hey, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? You're not thinking these things in your brain. See, people can be blinded in their brains and they can also think in their hearts. It's crazy. There's something about how our integration of our thoughts, emotions, and desires can get us twisted up. And he says, why are you thinking these things in your heart? You know what they were? They were skeptical. The Pharisees were skeptical. There are always people in the Bible that are amazed, some that are perplexed, and some that are skeptical. When the day of Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit is poured out and Peter's preaching his sermon there and 3,000 people are added, the Bible says there were those that were amazed at that, some that were perplexed at that, and some that are very skeptical of that. And skepticism is this. I don't care what you show me. I've already made up my mind, and I'm not going to listen to anything, even the truth. That's a skepticism. A perplexity is where, okay, I'm not for sure about all this. I'm on doubt. I don't even know, but I, I've got some questions. Amazed is, okay, I may not even understand it all, but I'm all in. And what I'm inviting us to do as a people of God, I want us to have a church that's got all three. I want us to have seats that are full of people. And some of them are because how can they ever shift into perplexity or amazement if they never get the message of Jesus in a way that they might be able to understand? So we want skeptical people. Wow, they're so skeptical, I would never want to invite them. That's the best person to invite. That's the best person to invite. Well, they're just going to be all critical of everything. Who cares? What's that going to change? 
What, what, what's that gonna change with you? Let him be critical. Let him be, ah, I didn't like this, I didn't like that, or that's, that's hocus pocus, pastor not wearing a suit. But I'm inviting those of you that may be skeptical today. What if this year you just were willing to take one step and go from a criticism and a skepticism into a, I got questions. And just ask some questions. Get into a group. We're launching them next week. And just ask some questions. And there may be some of you that, that it's time now. You've seen enough. You keep on coming up with questions. That's okay. You're always going to have questions. You know there's even questions in the Bible. Martyrs who died for the faith of Jesus Christ are in like this orchestra pit in front of the throne of God, this, this altar area. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation that these martyrs who died were stoned to death for Jesus. They're looking up and they're asking God, when will our blood be avenged? They don't even know. They're asking questions in heaven. There's always going to be questions, everybody. But the good news is, even with questions, I can still shift into a I got questions, but I know he is who he says he is because I've been assured of what I can't see and I've got hope in that. And he is dealing with the skepticism and the perplexity and the amazement of those groups that have gathered. And so Jesus says, which is easier to say? I mean, is it easier for me to say, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk? And I wonder if he pauses and he says, and they're like, <laughs> well, obviously it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because we can't really see if it's actually happened or not. So Jesus says, I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I want you to know that I can heal the sick you can't see. The sickness, even the depths beyond what you even know, I can heal that. And to show you that I can do that, here's what I'm gonna do. Number seven, physical miracles are designed to point to the greater miracle. I wanna see physical miracles in this church. We've seen physical miracles in this church. We, we, have, see, we have documented physical, like medically documented miracles that have taken place in this church and continue to take place in this church. But friends, I want you to know that miracles are a sign. They're called a sign and a wonder for a reason. They're not called a destination. They're called a sign. If you leave here and you go to Dallas and you take I-20 or 75, you, you, you might see a sign that says Dallas 90 miles. You wouldn't get out and just like, look what the Lord has done. Dallas 90 miles, everybody. It's a sign. That's all it is, a sign. You're going to the destination. The sign's going to lead you there. The sign's going to show you you're not far off. The sign's going to show you you're close. And I want you to know, as much as we would love to see God do a physical miracle in your life, my life, the greatest miracle is what he does on the inside out. The greatest miracle is always what he's doing with our soul inside. That's the greatest miracle. And that's what we want to point, Jesus, point people towards in the saving grace and power of Jesus. So... He said to the paralyzed man, I'll tell you what, Brad, get up, take your mat, and go home. Get up, take your mat, and go home. And the Bible says, immediately, he stood up in front of them. He didn't go, oh, uh, 
you know, Jesus didn't go, you know, Mr. Miyagi. Get up, take your mat, go home, buddy, go home. Immediate timing in this story, we see this throughout the gospels, it's a picture of salvation. There's nothing you could earn, nothing you could do to earn your salvation. This immediate moment of healing is representative of a picture of salvation. That even today, if you've been far from God, immediately he'll meet you where you are. It's a picture of the saving grace of Jesus. Immediately, he stood up in front of them. He took what he had been lying on and he went home praising God. He went home praising God. He, he gets up and he's like, Jesus, thank you. Guys, we're good. We're good. Thank you. Can you believe it? Look at this. Look at this. Number eight. You're mad part of your message. And Brad, in front of a full crowd, takes his mat. Thanks, Jesus. Bye, everybody. And I wonder what's going through Brad's mind as he begins to go home. I wonder if he was still living at home. You know, I wonder if he was born this way or he had an issue where something was debilitating like a sickness or maybe he was in an accident. I wonder if Brad is a teenager and it's been a long, long time since he ever walked through the front door of his house. And he gets up to the steps and he's got his mat and he's like, this is so crazy. And he opens the front door of his house and he can hear the, the kitchen sink, the water going in the kitchen sink and he walks into the kitchen and his mom is turned around with her back to the door washing the plates and she just assumes it's her husband. It's about time you came back putting the trash up. And she's just washing the plates and Brad comes up behind her and puts his hands over her eyes. And she stops. And he says, Mom, you're not going to believe this. And she turns around and she says, What? What? He says, I got to tell you a story. I wonder if a few weeks later, his same friends come over for the championship game right next to the plasma, right above it on the fireplace is the mat hanging. He said, I thought you were going to rid of that dirty, smelly thing. He said, oh, no, 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 no. Jesus told me to take it with me. I ain't ever letting that thing out of my sight. I wonder if he gets older and has kids and then he's got grandkids. Grand, granddad, grandpa. Tell us a story about when you were a kid. Have I ever told you this story about how my, my buddies 
drop me through a roof on a mat. They're like, yes, you've told us a hundred times, Grandpa. Tell us. No, I'm going to tell you that story because that's when I met Jesus. I wonder at his funeral when they gave him his celebration. Man, we didn't really know what Brad's life would look like. We certainly didn't know it looked like that. But one encounter with Jesus changed everything. And I wonder if in all of the flowers set up around that casket, if that mat wasn't just up against the wall. And do you know what happened? After Brad went home praising God, the Bible says everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. And they were filled with awe. And they said, we've seen remarkable things today. Friends, in church circles, sometimes people are only looking for the awe of another high for their own spiritual journey. But I want you to know, when hurt people, hurt spiritually, get healed, we, we can't help but be in awe and be amazed. Praise God and realize that every single time a hand is raised, every time someone chooses to follow Jesus, and it's gonna happen today, there are those of you here. There are those of you in Nacogdoches. You, you came to church, but you realize, oh, I'm Brad. I'm not paralyzed in my feet, but I've been, there's something in my heart. Today's your opportunity. He loves you so much, he'd meet you right here. So let me just wrap up by these three ways that you can engage this week. Evaluated experience is the best teacher. Here's how you evaluate and how you live this out. First is this, let God's priority be your priority. Don't let anything take the place of God's priority, which is people. Let God's priority be your priority. I know this, every person I know would live a vastly better life if God's love and grace and redemption were operating in their lives. They, rich or poor, got it or don't got it, good job or no job, everybody's life would be vastly better with God in it. A few weeks ago in 21 Days of Prayer, we filled every single seat twice, not only at the Nacogdoches location, but the Lufkin location with people who we know that are lost, that, that have not invited Jesus to be their savior. Every single seat filled twice. That's over 2,300 names of people that, care, that God cares about those people. Let's God's priority be your priority. Can I tell you what else? Crank up some courage. Like crank up some courage. Wind it up. Crank it up. Invite the Holy Spirit to give you an empowerment beyond just your salvation. Like invite, like Holy Spirit, would you just fill me with all that you want to fill me with so that I can be a witness? Just, just seek that. Like seek a immersion in the Holy Spirit. Lord, Holy Spirit, I want all that you have for me. All that you, every gift that you have, I want it all because I want to be a witness for you. Starting next Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, I'm gonna start a series of messages on the life of Samson, the strongest man physically who ever lived in the Bible, but probably one of the weakest men spiritually who ever lived in the Bible. 
And I'm calling the series No Regrets. No Regrets. And uh, I love how they put the little Timber Creek logo in there too. That's awesome. Actually, we had this design by a local tattoo store. And when we went in there, they said, that's a church. Do what? Wait, what now? And he said, man, all, all I've heard about church is they don't like it when you have tattoos. And you're in here making a, what, when are your service times? Finally, try talking about your map. Practice it with people you love. Today, try talking about your map. Go to, go to lunch today, moms, dads, and talk about this. Here's how it looks. Here's how it looks, moms and dads. Here's how it looks, friends. Here's where I was before Jesus. Trying to live my own life. You, you fill in the blanks. I met Jesus and I asked him to become the center of my life. And you know how he's changed my life? Here's how he's changed my life. That's how you talk about your mat. Friends, I don't really have a big old mat story. And some of you may feel the same. Like, I didn't get addicted to this. Or I didn't have this huge thing. Or I didn't have this miracle that took place. You know? But can I tell you, I was paralyzed at one point. I was paralyzed by what people would think of me. I had insecurities in my life, not feeling like I would measure up enough ever to be good enough for anybody. And on occasion, I, I, I still can feel that way. My mat may not be overcoming some big addiction, but I was paralyzed. But Jesus healed me when he showed me that I just, I serve an audience of one. He's a father that's not waiting for me to make a three throw. He's a father that loves me. No matter how much game time I got, he loves me. And I'm in his kingdom and I'm a son. The truth is for God so loved the world, <laughs> this world that spins madly on, that he would rip a hole in the roof of the earth and the sun would come down, not paralyzed, but take on all of our infirmity, all of our sickness, all of our sin in our place. Because he loves us and his priority is you. Would you pray with me? With every head bowed, every eye closed, two prayers today. The first is this. If you need Jesus to be the center of your life, first time or first time in a long time. You say, I, I have been on the throne of my heart. I need to, I recognize it. I need Jesus in my life today. If that's you just want to start by cranking up your own courage. And right now, just put a hand up in the air. That's all you got to do. I, I need Jesus to be the center of my life. And it's not been just put a hand up in the air right here. Other locations. I see several hands across this side and over here. Jesus sees you guys. He loves you. He says, friend, I knew you were going to raise your hand and I cannot wait to meet you right there. In your own words, you'd simply say, Jesus, I, I need you. I can't fix my sin, the stuff that separates me from you, but I can follow you and I want to follow you. Help me know what that looks like. I start today. And I want you to know everybody that Jesus isn't mad at you. Here's the second prayer. The second prayer is I need to crank up some courage. I, I need to let 
people be my priority. If people are important to Jesus, they need to be more important to me. And I, I just, I wanna, I wanna work on my Matt message. If that's you, just, would you put a hand up in the air? Yeah, me too, me too. Father, I pray for cranked up courage and some boldness that we would just find moments in simple ways, not to preach a sermon, but just tell a story about our mat because we all got one. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen.